Welcome back to The Shelf Oddities. My name is Ambi. And I'm Serafina. And the oddity I'm feeling like today is a tiny obsidian Venus bust. I just think they're so cute. And I'm just, she feels like a lady today, you know? (laughs) Good for you. What about you? (laughs) So the oddity that I'm feeling like today um, is an an earwax candle. Because it's a little gross when you, like, on service level. But what I'm doing here... So I'm taking all the waste and all that perceived bad energy, turning it into something positive, okay? Hell yeah. Reduce, reuse, recycle Rihanna. <laughs> Rihanna. <laughs> I've never <laughs> heard that before. Um, but yeah, what have you been up to? I have been watching The Fall of House Usher on Netflix, and I wanted to know if you've seen it. No. Uh-uh, no. It's made by the same Mike Flanagan, the director of The House on Haunted Hill and Bly Manor and Midnight Mass. Mm-hmm. And it is basically a uh it's the the Fall of House Usher is an Edgar Allan Poe story, and then every episode is basically like a modern day Edgar Allan Poe story. That sounds amazing. Have I not heard of this? Edgar Allan Poe, which you know about me, is my all-time favorite. That's why I was surprised you hadn't watched it yet. You need to watch it. We'll talk about it uh, in another episode because it is so good and it is a little spooky. It's definitely made to be a little scary like all of those shows are. I would say it's maybe one of the less scarier ones out of all of them. But it is so good from start to finish. I absolutely love it. The actors in it are so great. It was so much fun to watch. Uh, it's Netflix, so it's like 10 episodes, you know, Netflix, the 43 okay. minutes or whatever. But it is so much fun. It was such a good October spooky, odd October kind of watch. Mm. And if you are looking for something for your October, something to watch on Halloween, I really recommend it. It was really fun. One of the main characters is the mom from Spy Kids, and I freaking love her. Uh, okay. And... uh she does a great job. Everyone does such a good job. So I really recommend it if you have not seen it yet. I cannot wait for you to watch it and for you to tell me what you think about it. Because the entire time with knowing how much you love Mr. Poe, I was like, you're going to be obsessed with this. Yeah, I'm so surprised I haven't. Well, it's also because I haven't like actively paid for Netflix in such a long time. I oh, yeah, for sure. So, so yeah, I need to. Yeah, just um, get that free trial for your one week in October and ball out. <laughs> So, Oddlings, we are going to get right into it for this episode of Odd October. This one is one of those ones you can eat during. It's uh, maybe give, <laughs> let's let the first 10 minutes pass. And then after that, you'll be fine. Um, and we're just going to hang out and, and enjoy some history. You ready? So ready. All right. 6,500 feet. Under the streets of the most romantic city in the world lays a labyrinth of the dead. This subterranean maze houses the bones and spirits of millions. Today, we are exploring the Paris catacombs and all of its macabre mysteries. Love it. Yeah, so time to talk about the Paris catacombs, bro. I'm excited for this. I am too. Um, So let's start where it all began. Let's talk a little construction everybody bust out your your and what are the blueprints everybody bust yes. out your blueprints yeah no but uh yes yeah, so the beginning of the paris catacombs is rooted in the black death um the university of iowa so a study i pulled um from the university of iowa states that the plague took a grim toll on the city 
that can only be described as catastrophic. Quote, half of Paris's population of 100,000 people died. Large piles of unburied bodies exponentially sped up the spread of disease by vermin that are attracted to decaying flesh. As a result, Paris decided to dump them all in a specific location that had supplied the city with burial plots for some time and would do so for centuries to come. And then an article from Bonjour Paris states that these 50,000 bodies alone were buried in one month during the plague. So they buried 50,000 bodies in one month. That is absolutely insane. I didn't realize that the Black Plague had taken half of Paris's population. I did not know I that. didn't either. That was completely mind-boggling to me. That is crazy. Um, yeah, so unfortunately for the city, this decision would eventually coalesce with other events through the nation's history to cause a new problem 400 years in the future. The main graveyard that supplied space for the capital's bubonic dead continued to collect massive amounts of corpses as time went by, thanks to the inevitable touch of death throughout the ages on Paris's population. And by the 18th century, it was bursting at the seams. For years, the Cimetière, <laughs> Cemetery des Saints Innocents had been a citywide scandal due to poor management. Too many bodies had been stuffed into the overcrowded plots to the point where coffins were bursting out from the earth in nearby areas. Bonjour Paris states that an estimation of 2 million bodies had been buried at Les Innocents over the years. Damn. And this, the, right? <laughs> the Smithsonian describes it as those living in the Le Hall neighborhood near Les Innocents, the city's oldest and largest cemetery, were among the first to complain. Reporting the cemetery exuded a strong smell of decomposing flesh. Even perfume stores claimed they couldn't do business because of the off-putting smell, which Ugh. kind of checks out, you know? Yeah, no thank you. <laughs> I don't know if I would open a perfume store that close to a cemetery, but go off. <laughs> you know, just in case. <laughs> in 1763, Louis XV issued an edict banning all burials from occurring inside the capital. But because of church pushback, which didn't want cemeteries disturbed or moved, nothing else was done. So for anybody who's like uh, unfamiliar about like Christianity and customs at these times, um, they strongly believe that once a body was laid to rest, it, it, it could not be disturbed. Yep. So the church was very against the idea of just like uprooting these bodies and moving them elsewhere. Um, so then Louis the 16th, Louis the 15th successor continued the crusade, also proclaiming that all cemeteries should move outside of Paris. It wasn't until 1780, however, that anything was done. That year, a prolonged period of spring rain, <laughs> that year, <laughs> a prolonged period of spring rain caused the wall around Les Innocents to collapse spilling rotten corpses into a neighboring property. Mm -mm. The city needed a better place to put its dead. Did I you know imagine? that's right. Ew, no. <laughs> Just We're talking two million people. Uh, I want to, can I paint a picture? I wish you wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> so it's early in the morning. Okay. And you're in like your Seraphina robe and you got like your little slippers on and your hair's up in a little messy bun. You got yourself a little cup of coffee and you're going to like, you know, it just rained and you're going to go outside and just smell the weather. You like open the door and there's just like a body. Mm -mm. <laughs> it's just like a waterlogged. Not, not, yeah, not even a body. Just like rotting water corpse. Yeah, yeah. 
I know? definitely, if I'm in that scenario, I'm running to buy perfume. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want you to get down and kind of like gangsta pose with it and send it to me and Erie. Dropping a new hot album. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so the solution came in the form of a conceived massive underground ossuary. An ossuary is a burial chamber specialized in displaying and holding bones. And with how many dead Parisians have been lingering in St. Innocence for decades, Paris had a lot of bones to work with. Mm-hmm. It is likely that many of these graves had had their individual markers lost due to the overcrowding and general poor upkeep of the cemetery. During this excavation and preparation to build the ossuary, it was discovered that some of the bodies had turned into collections of fat, with some having completely dissolved into gelatin. Ugh. Yeah, according to the Scientific American, for a body to fully decompose, oxygen must be present. In the case of the bodies from a cemetery of the Innocents, the lack of enough oxygen left the bodies as mounds of fat, unable to do anything else with the bodies, and the existing and existing in a culture that also had medical cannibalism as an acceptable concept. The French government sold off the collected fat to be boiled by candle, and soap makers sold back to the citizens of Paris, hmm. some of whom were no doubt descendants of the individuals who had been buried there. Let's just take a second. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> One, ew. <laughs> Two, I'm burning grandpa candle? Oh grandpa yeah, candle. And, and you're washing yourself with grandma soap. That's fucked. I'm gonna it's need perfume for sure. And then they wonder why these people had a whole revolution, you know? I mean, hello? Jeez, Louise. I mean, I guess reduce, reuse, recycle Rihanna, but like, holy shit. (laughs) Once assembled and prepared for use, the French government then proceeded to use the city's old nearby limestone quarries in order to rehouse these bones. The Smithsonian explains, So it went to the tunnels, moving bones from a cemetery five stories underground into Paris's former quarries. Cemeteries began to be emptied in 1786, beginning with Les Innocents. This was not fated to just be a simple matter of removing and placing the bones into underground receptacles, but eventually became a major undertaking into creating a true wonder of the world buried deep underground. The French used the collected skeletons to create tunnels with walls full of skulls that were arranged into shapes and displays. This was not just a place to cast off the forgotten dead, but to turn them into works of art. I mean, I just included some numbers here for people who are nerdy like me. So it's uh, 20 meters of depth, which is roughly a five-story building. There are 243 steps in the Paris catacombs, 131 steps going down, 112 steps coming up. It is 1,500 meters and covers 1,100 meters of total area. Yeah, that's uh it's a big it's a big undertaking this construction. That's for damn sure. Oh yeah. If if we want to be picky, the destination of the catacombs we know by name is roughly 2 kilometers under the city. But this is just a tiny section of the catacombs which is roughly 200 miles in America numbers. That's America numbers. That's huge. <laughs> Yeah, right? What the fuck is a kilometer? My friend calls them freedom metrics. Freedom (laughs) metrics. There it is. (laughs) Freedom from sense. So yes, roughly 200 miles 
That is, that's a decent chunk of land. Today, most of it is closed to the public, except for certain times of the year. But in the past, it was no strangers to explorers and adventurers. The catacombs were originally limestone mines, like he said. This was to save on transport cost and time, right? They were taking directly from the city and then building up the city of Paris, as we know. The famous Notre Dame is built out of the limestone from these tunnels. And you must be wondering how the hell you're going to excavate 200 miles of tunnels underneath a bustling city. But I'll have you know that it took centuries for the first major collapse. (laughs) So, you know, that's nice. Yeah, progress. So, in December of 1774, let's go ahead and do this again. You've woken up. It's a beautiful morning. A little bit of rain, nothing too crazy. You're on. You're in your beautiful terrace. And then all of a sudden your roof starts to shake and then your neighbor's roof starts to shake. And then all of a sudden the giant limestone quarry underneath your neighborhood you didn't even know was there collapses and swallows up your house and your neighbor's house and the whole street and you're all dead. Sorry you didn't get to finish your coffee. (laughs) How unfortunate. Yeah, right. So the king. Uh, the King Louis at the current time hired an architect, Charles Axel Guillermo, to map and stabilize the tunnels. Work went on till 1780. If that uh, if that year sounds familiar, you know why. And yes, the crew that did the work uh, complained of, you know, shadowy figures following them around the tunnels. It was already from the from the get go not wonderful. Right, It was a bad vibe already in the tunnels, as you can imagine. Work concluded on this, and this is what gave us the layout we now know. And once this work concluded, this is the year that the bodies start going into the tunnel, as Ambie said earlier. There is said to currently be six to seven million Parisian bodies in the tunnels. (laughs) As he said, the walls are artfully decorated with bones. It's basically like you're walking through the stomach of an OCD carnivore. We have talked about the flesh pit. This is the bone pit. What's interesting about the catacombs is not only did it provide a resting place for the dead, but it also seemed to come in clutch anytime Paris was going through a war or an uprising. They are famous for their riots and they use these tunnels. The leaders of the underground resistance built headquarters here. During the Second World War, it was used as a bunker. Entering the catacombs became illegal during 1955. So really not that long ago. I mean, we have centuries of people being able to be under there, people living in there, um, it being used during war times and riots. It wasn't to stop criminal behavior in 1955 or anything like that. Uh, It was just not in use and people kept getting lost in there. (laughs) Yeah, sounds like a terrible time. Imagine. (laughs) No, No fucking thank you. That's the one thing about the catacombs we haven't touched on yet. There's no light down there. There's no skylights. There's no windows. This is a five-story building underground. It's dark as hell. And it being illegal didn't stop it from being used by people who were in need of it. 
1968, there was a student uprising, and that led students to face riot police. And when the riot police would show up, students would go inside these small entrance tunnels that the police didn't know of at the time, and then they would pop out in another part of the city. I love it. That's amazing, is it not? I love that idea that they're like, we're over here. Nope, we're over here. Nope, we're over here. Like, good (laughs) fucking try. So let's get into the cataphiles. When punk culture hits Paris, the subculture of beings called the cataphiles, being those who loved the catacombs, and this started when they had found entrances through their school basements, right? So we had the student uprising and there were students in there who really loved the catacombs. And that is how we get the cataphiles. And they were the only people who knew of those entrances and they partied and they hung out there quite often. There were musical performances, right? It was apparently a pretty rad spot to do drugs. So, (laughs) you know, you look at these pictures of, in the seventies and the eighties, there's graffitis all over the walls. I mean, these aren't desecrations of bones. The the catacombs aren't all just bones. Uh, A huge section of it is a really big section of it is, but there are just caved rooms basically. Um, They're just like limestone caves. And apparently they make for a great rave. I was about to say, I literally imagine them turning it into like a freaking rave. Yeah. Apparently that's uh, it's pretty popular and apparently sometimes it still is, but we'll get to that. Uh, By the 90s, though, these had been mostly figured out by police and were shut down. But the cataphile numbers are still relatively large, and they tend to create a lot of art regarding it. Modern day, of course, there are many urban legends we'll get into. Uh, But there are certain locations you can pay a company to take you through the safer parts of the tunnels. But cataphiles themselves will still venture into the tunnels. They are more aware of the dangers of the tunnels, right? There's always a factor of like falling into a pit, getting taken out in a landslide, or simply getting lost. A lot of these cataphiles, though, have spent so much time down there that they have their own maps. They're their own society where it's really hard to find any information about them unless you know one of them or invited. And they are very, it's a, it's a modern day secret society, realistically. They kind of play games with cops where, you know, they'll leave like, pictures or they'll put up sculptures even they'll do some really cool stuff the cataphiles they seem really cool they want to preserve the catacombs they use them as they see fit sometimes taking you know week-long camping trips to vibe where no one can find them sometimes they throw parties still not that long ago the police had to break up a rave of over 300 people dancing the night away (laughs) which like how much fun is that to have like a rave cave, you know? Um, is it maybe disturbing the dead? Not if they like a good baseline. There is something, though, that I love, and that is called Cataline. It's your basic Halloween party with the coolest location and ambiance, right? Descend into the underworld by candlelight and do the monster mash. Let's go. It's so wild. It's so cool. There are cataphiles who are dedicating to keeping the tunnels clean. Some have YouTube channels where you can go and watch them like pick up trash and clean up the tunnels after these big parties. It's pretty cool. Um, it's really fun. I, I really like their culture. They seem to be really cool, fun people. And I think that if I also lived in a city... With catacombs, such as the Paris catacombs, I would probably be in there once or twice. I don't know if I could do it all the time. It seems real spooky. You know, it just seems real, uh, 
real scary. <laughs> yeah, I have to admit, I'm kind of a hater of the catacombs. They give me the heebie-jeebies. I completely understand that for sure. I I don't love it. I, I even if you take away all the bones, I still don't love it. You know, I'm still not a huge fan. I'm not really a caver. I'm not really a, that kind of girl. Yeah. Uh, and I understand why people are, and they seem to have a lot of fun. So I totally get it. There is another subculture, though, in the catacombs, and this is where you would find me. Uh, they focus very heavily on mushrooms and growing mushrooms. Not the kind you'd find at a rave, but those you'd find at a restaurant. Back in the day, a man named Dee Chambry was venturing the tunnels when he came across some young mushrooms growing. And he thought to himself, well, what else can grow in here? And then pretty soon, this practice was regulated by the Parisian Agriculture Association. Talk about farm-to-table freshness, right? It's absolutely <laughs> crazy. They have, like, whole mushroom farms down in the catacombs because it's the perfect conditions. And I love the idea of sitting down at a Paris restaurant and getting yourself, like, a nice chicken marsala. And those mushrooms were grown right underneath your restaurant. Isn't that fun? Not a fan. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Never mind. My bad. <laughs> no, that's cool. What was that? Reduce, reuse, recycle, recycle Ronald Rio. Reagan? Oh, oh no. Rihanna got you. Jesus okay. Prime and Christmas. <laughs> Anyone got a pee? Dear Lord. You edit that out. <laughs> oh, no. It's in there. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to talk about specific notable locations within the catacombs. Um, there is the port. Mahon Corridor, uh, which displays sculptures erected by a French quarryman named Francois de Cure. Um, there's a whole bunch of cool, neat little sculptures and stuff in the room. It's very prominent, very on display. Uh, I have to send you a photo. Um, I came across on Twitter a sculpture that the cataphiles did. It's not too far from the uh, the Port Mahon uh, Corridor. And it's like a giant man coming out of the wall. Interesting. It's like, it's like really tall. And apparently there's like a, a local folklore story about a man who gained the power to be able to like walk through walls. And they like erected this entire sculpture to him. It's really cool. I'll post it on Instagram. Okay. Interesting. So you will know that you've made it into the ossuary when you stop at a plaque that says in French, stop. This is the Empire of Death, which I love. I love, love so that much. Too. Um, yeah, so for those on aware, it's not like, you know, you walk through the door and all of a sudden, boom, bones everywhere. You There's kind of, you know, there's a dissension where you actually get into the ossuary. Um, there is a room in which you will see a lamp that was used, that used to be lit with oil to signal that there was oxygen in the air and that it was safe for workers in the quarries to continue. When the sepulchral lamp was no longer lit, the workers had to exit the catacombs as there was no oxygen. This, however, isn't an issue for the current attraction, thanks to plenty of air vents. That is crazy. It's very crazy. Like, anyone check the light recently? Anyone check the <laughs> lamp? Are we good? We they definitely the had to post it like one guy by the light, right? Yeah, 100%. Like, that would be lit, like, you're on light duty that day, you don't have to do anything else, that would be the you shit. You just blow it out, and you're like, gotta go home, guys. <laughs> guys, guys, we gotta get the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so other sites you'll find in the ossuary include the Fountain of a Samaritan, a spring, 
and Gilbert's Tomb, featuring a poetic verse in French. And then the part of the ossuary that struck me the most, though, was the barrel-shaped column of ankle bones and skulls known as the Crypt of Passions. Yeah, it's so, cool. Yeah, quite literally, guys, it looks like a massive barrel. Like, it's that's the shape of it. And it is like this art... Artistically? Artistically. Yeah. I say the word autistic so much. That <laughs> <laughs> right. It is, an ar- it is an artistic arrangement of, like, ankle bones and skulls. And again, gives me the heebie-jeebies, but it's quite interesting, I can't deny. It's also huge. It's like seven or eight feet tall by like seven or eight feet wide. It's gigantic. Yeah. There's also a room with this thing called the Paris Catacombs Gollum, which is this ugly. I think he looks like Quasimodo from um, Quasimodo yeah. was the. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was thinking he was the priest, yeah. but no, he was um, Hunchback in there. No. <laughs> um, it kind of looks like Quasimodo. Uh, he's pretty graffitied. So there's actually a lot of the catacombs that are very, the walls are very graffitied. Yeah. Um, spray paint and stuff, if that's your thing um from i'm guessing cataphiles and probably french gangs and stuff i don't know that i mean you know your average adventurer yeah yeah i mean it's very graffitied and it it just kind of gives into the whole rave element of things yeah definitely um so kind of going back to this history of cataphiles that uh seraphina was talking about in 2004 a group of police officers were exploring a part of the Paris catacombs restricted from public access when they uncovered some very strange things. So firstly, they found a PA system playing pre-recorded card dog barking. Then they found 3000 square feet of galleries wired for phones using pirated electricity. The officers also found a bar living area workshop lounge and even a cinema with room to seat 20 people. Shockingly, the cinema seats had been carved into the stone of the catacombs. So cool. Just so cool. So cool. Um, The creepiest part of it all, though, was that they discovered cameras on the ceilings recording them. A few days later, the police squad went back to the area with a larger team to investigate further. I don't know why you would wait a few days, but go on. Right. Um, however, everything they discovered from the phone lines to the Paris Catacombs cinema had vanished. The only thing that remained was a note that read, Ne chaisez pas, which means don't search. Love it. They were like, all right, tight, bye. You do not have to worry about me. <laughs> um, and so then I guess, I guess because there is a, a hint of the unknown to this. And that'll lead us right into some hauntings, because would it be an odd October episode if we didn't talk about some hauntings? So, during the French Revolution, a man named Philibert Aspar, Apser, 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 maybe Apser, was a doorman at the Val de Gras Hospital. On a mission to fetch a certain liquor from liqueur from a cellar, Philibert actually ended up entering the Paris catacombs by accident interesting how that happens I I mean listen it's all underground baby you take one wrong step down there you don't know where you are (laughs) walking around the pitch black catacombs alone with just a single candle Philibert became lost and confused many believe he may have been intoxicated at the time 
Ultimately, Philibert's candle went out and everything turned to black, making it impossible for him to escape the profound darkness of the catacombs. His body was only found 11 years later by a group of cataphiles. They identified him by the hospital key ring hanging from his belt. Asper is buried in the catacombs in the exact place where he died with a tombstone describing his death. Cataphiles and catacomb folklorists say that every November 3rd, Philibert's ghost haunts the labyrinth of the catacombs. Yeah, his story is really interesting because they kind of have like a monument to him. Mm-hmm. Where most of the time you can find a bottle of the liqueur that he was looking for that was made by the monks that were in the city at the time. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's really cool. He he definitely has his own little like room where you can like go and like sit and have a drink with him. That's pretty neat. Um, I mean, I just kind of put like a little notation. So there's a a wall in the catacombs that looks like it's just carved up with scratch marks. Which, like, am I like maybe rats, maybe cats, maybe oh, we'll, we'll get demons, maybe mm. zombies? <laughs> maybe <laughs> who knows? But uh, maybe werewolves? Nah, but yeah. Uh, yeah. There's just a, a room with a bunch of very odd-looking scratch marks covering a wall. Um, mm-hmm. There's really, I mean, there's not much else to it, but I thought it was neat. So, yeah, it's um, actually interesting that you mentioned werewolves because in 1940, a woman was to meet her husband or her fiance, I think, for dinner, and she got into an elevator to meet him at the restaurant, the hotel, but the elevator went to the basement instead. Don't love that. <laughs> and she states that she got abducted by a group of creatures that dragged her into the catacombs. She was then put into a cage. She narrowly survives and escapes, and she writes her memories out. She states, Some think I'm mentally ill, but I remember those weeks in the cage well. The creatures were covered in a thick, bristly hair. They toss me around for their own amusement. The monsters are still down there. She believes they were werewolves. So back in like the 1500s, a pack of wolves descended on the city and ended up killing about like 40 Parisians during their attack. And some believe that they didn't get all of the wolves out and they went into the limestone caves and lived out the rest of their days they're making werewolves and she believes that she was abducted by them and kept in cages uh, underneath the city don't love that that's, don't love that that's, um, I kind well, of love that yeah it's fun especially when you think about the scratch mark wall it's like what's that about and yeah. if you watch like certain people um, which we talked about him so much last week, so I'm not going to talk about it too much. But Zach Bagans did like a whole Paris Catacombs thing that's called like Descend into the Netherworld, and he doesn't have to check that out. Yeah, it, you it's like really hard to find. You can only find it on like Amazon Prime if you have like the Discovery Channel subscription. It's like really buried because it's super old and it's like a like little one off thing that he did by himself. But what's interesting is he doesn't talk about that. He doesn't talk about the scratch mark wall. He doesn't talk about the story of, you know, he talks about the story of the woman. But when they descend into the catacombs with the police, like he goes with the cops and they walk into like the first big room in the catacombs. And there's just like weird giant net set up and the police like don't want to talk about it. And they just kind of like walk by it. 
But I was like, what? what's that net for? What's that net for, dog? What are you trying to catch? What? Yeah, isn't that weird? Dead ass? Yeah. That's... And it's like huge. Crazy. It's like the whole... It's like half of the fucking room. Like it's Into gigantic. Into the world. Into the nether world. Yeah, so, it's so much fun because it's back when he was like part of... It was like he was in his like... Uh, necro music and it's like all dub stepped out it's hilarious anyway um <laughs> many parisians have stories of course right they're either been in the the catacombs they know a cataphile many including charles axel guillamo from earlier that i mentioned the architect some say he's internally tormented by the discretion he oversaw the discretion some say he's internally tormented by the desecration he saw with moving all of these bodies into the tunnels. I mean, exhuming up to 30 generations of Parisians will probably have an effect or two on the soul, right? So there are many people who claim that they have gotten lost in the tunnels and fallen, and then a hand will come to pick them up and they'll go to reach for it and it will disappear. And most of these people's stories end up having that same experience right in front of his grave because he is also buried in the catacombs interesting isn't that interesting to spend your like entire life and be known for like this giant underground ossuary and then be buried in it i feel like that's that's kind of full circle right like that's it is full circle imagine he like picked out his own he was like this is the best plot i'm gonna take this right that's you know i kind of like that in a weird way yeah it's kind of fun it's like when I die, please turn me into ham and slice me for a couple of subs, you know? Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, if that's what you want, I guess. Do I have to eat it or? I never know when I'm going to like reach your like limit. <laughs> it's just gross. Like imagine like holding your whole like thigh up to like a slicer. Like, oh, it just feels like a lot of work. I got to cure it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> please like um black and season me like cajun black okay. and seasoning that's how i want to be yeah all right i can do that for sure i'm not gonna do that just so you know <laughs> <laughs> um something that i thought was interesting is that if you have ever seen the phantom of the opera it I is actually it. um that opera is a opera house in paris and you will remember the disfigured singer rowing a boat on an underground lake in that movie. And I am here to tell you that lake actually exists in the catacombs. It is located under the Opera Garnier and it is 60 yards wide and 12 feet deep. Most really? people, yeah, most people don't really know about it, but the employees like, all the employees that work there know about it. Some of them even help with like the maintenance, like tossing in like algae eaters and stuff and like feeding the cave fish that are in it. Isn't it so, so interesting that it's like a real thing? Yeah. So huh. we are going to end with probably the creepiest thing I've seen about the catacombs. And it's up in the air if it is real or not. There have been many documentaries made about it. There are, of course, going to be people who fully believe it. And then there are going to be naysayers. And I will let that be up for you to decide. In the late 1990s, there was a handheld video camera found in the maze of the catacombs. And it was found by itself. 
no bodies around, no gear, nothing else, just a camera in the middle of one of these hallways. And on this camera, there is footage that was left on it. When you play this footage, you see a solar a solo explorer in the tunnels. And you slowly watch as this explorer gets lost. And this footage is his journey through the maze. Right? He gets progressively more lost and more freaked out. And the footage ends with him turning a camera, screaming at something off screen, dropping the camera, and then you see him run away. No one was able to, no one was ever able to identify him or find him. No one ever came out and said it was their camera. There was, like I said, a film made about this lost footage. That's a bomb. And, so yeah well that's that's we'll we'll get there in a second oh, uh, this was no you're good <laughs> this is actually like a documentary where some like a rich person paid to like explore the tunnels mm -hmm. and try to find him and try to figure out where this footage was from because when this dropped you have to imagine i mean this is crazy this is in the 90s it's not like there's like p vlogs you know like it's not like you're you're watching a lot of like self-taped footage it's not like that's a, a huge thing so there were a lot of people on this crew who worked on the film and they spent a lot of time in the catacombs trying to trace his movements and they can't find him. They can't find his body. They can't even really find some of the tunnels he's seen going through. Right. They mm -hmm. like clearly the tunnel that they find the camera in, they know where that is, but a lot of the other stuff, they have no clue. What are your thoughts? Um, my thoughts are that I think it's definitely possible. Mm -hmm. I mean, the amount of people who have been lost in the catacombs are hundreds that we know of, you know, and it's not uncommon for people to get lost and die in the catacombs and then never find his body. I mean, think the, um, Philibert is working in a hospital right above the catacombs. He gets lost and no one finds him for 11 years. Right. Is it possible that they did find him but didn't know it was him? I think that's a possibility. You know, do I think that it's possible that someone wanted to make a Blair Witch project for themselves? I definitely think that's possible too. <laughs> yeah. You know, but then he never got the glory or the money for it, so I'm not really sure. You know, it seems kind of odd. Uh, what's also interesting is that the people that were on that crew, they had such bad experiences in the catacombs that they refused to go back. A lot of the time you're seeing shadow figures, a lot of the time you don't feel alone, you can hear voices, you can hear scratches on the walls. Um, it doesn't necessarily seem like a place that I would necessarily love to spend time in. Yeah, it's not for me. <laughs> yeah, it, I will tell you that I do think that there is power in the dark. And I think being in the dark, knowing the history of the place, knowing that you're surrounded by 7 million bodies, that's going to do something to your brain in the first place, right, already. But do I think that there are 7 million souls that were disturbed and moved and could be an issue? Yeah, I 100% do. We all... uh we all know what happens when you move seven to eight million people and 40 generations of Parisians over time. The Christians were right. 
Even a broken clock. Right. Hello. That is the Paris catacombs. I did find out, though, in my research, that the catacombs weren't the first and weren't the last. There are catacombs in Rome, Paris, mm-hmm. Alexandria, Malta, Vienna, Sicily, the Czech Republic, Austria, Naples, and Seattle. I did know about the Seattle catacombs. Yeah, it's uh, the Seattle tunnels are, we'll cover them at some point because they are also a crazy story. (laughs) Yeah, the Roman catacombs are actually the inspiration for the Paris catacombs. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's crazy. Catacombs, they are, you know, when you're trying to build up a city and you have a valuable resource, you end up with a lot of tunnels and not a lot of space when you got millions of people living in one area so what do you do you put your dead there if not you make candles out of them you think nowadays you could convince like a big city to make a catacomb like a new york city catacomb you think people would sign off on that i don't think they would i don't know if they would maybe i think it's a possibility i mean hell we have seven billion people on the planet people dying all the all the time people being born all the time we're gonna run out of earth at some point you know yeah so, do I think that it's a possibility? Yeah, I do. I think that something could be done like that. But I think it would be different. It would be regulated way differently than anything that was done before, you know, the year 2000. Mm-hmm. And probably, you know, for good reason. The Like, the Seattle catacombs or the Seattle tunnels, I mean, they have a really dark history. Oh, yeah, they do. You know, they have a super dark history. I mean, I know... I know Sicily has somewhat of a dark history, but nothing, you know, not as bad. And I'm sure that if you were to try to do it now, you know, we have. We have such an interesting civilization at this current moment that it would be interesting to see how people react to that. That's for sure. Do you think it could be done? No, absolutely not. I I think there's. um, Too much value put on perception these days, and I think people would see it as too. rim yeah like do i think economically and even um on a, like on a health aspect do i think it's better yeah kinda, i kind of do yeah do i think your normal average everyday person is gonna see things the way i do no <laughs> i mean they're just gonna see it as removing people from their graves and Whatever, whatever. But I think I think it's a very cost efficient, and I think it's a very. I just think it's healthier, right? If you keep them underground and it's in a, uh, it's done in the correct manner. Yeah, I think it's safer for everybody. I think in a scenario where we're not moving bodies and we're just putting new dead people in there, I see that as a possibility. Okay, and I, I can see that. Yeah, for sure. Like a giant underground. Um, what is the the like? What's the place that like Marilyn Monroe's buried in where it's like the marble walls? Yeah, like a giant mausoleum underground, but like catacomb Uh, style. I could see that being a thing. uh, Yeah, I can agree with you on that. I don't think I would like it. (laughs) I don't don't think I would go in it. But yeah, I could definitely see that being a a scenario. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going in it. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, I just want to be buried under a tree. (laughs) And you want to be made into a sandwich. (laughs) <laughs> romantic these bosses don't hear this yeah right exactly well oddlings don't go into catacombs with a candle take a flashlight take extra batteries take another flashlight and uh, leave your location on so we can find you
stay out, Arcadia.